Uh, tonight we're in uh, Genesis chapter 16, and we've been, uh, I kind of got delayed or sidetracked, and, and I thought it was a good time to deal with some things that actually is going to pop up all the way through the Bible. If you don't see this, uh, you, you, you can't help your children sometimes to see it, your teenagers to see it. Every Sunday school teacher, um, if they're working in a one and needs to get this, those last three uh, sermons, those last three CDs, and learn those so that they can, uh, especially our, our youth teachers need to hear those so they can teach those to their children in a way that's not um, vulgar and in a way that it also has a strong warning with it. So what I've been talking about is those things, what happens when you don't wait on God, jumping the gun on God. And, and all of us have done it, haven't, haven't we? We've jumped the gun on God, got in trouble. And um, so that's, that's where we are. You remember Sarah and, and, and um, Abram, she just got tired of waiting on God. And she said, I tell you what, I've come up with a good plan. And um, now she didn't say, Abraham, let's, let's sit down here and talk about this thing. That's not what she said. She said, I've got a good plan. And this is what we're going to do. You're going to go into my handmaid, and, and, and my handmaid's going to bear this child for me, and that's how God's going to give us a future generation. Well, that wasn't God's plan, as we all know, and it was a mess, right? Well, that mess is still going on today. And that's why I, that's why I say this is going to keep popping up, going to keep popping up all the way through the scriptures. And I want you to understand where it came from because they made a choice they shouldn't have made. And he produced a child it shouldn't have produced. As a result of that, we have a whole world full of people that want to kill us simply because of one sexual immoral sin. Y'all with me? So that's, that's my purpose. So in verse five, uh, you know, when, they, when, when everything's over, uh, I mean, when she said, you go in to Hagar, we don't find any argument at all from Abram. It looks like he's pretty much with her. Okay. He just says, okay. And so he goes in, she conceives. And when she saw that she had conceived her mistress, was despised in her eyes. You see what happens here now? She gets puffed up. She gets full of pride because she'd been able to do something with her husband that she couldn't do with her husband. As a result of that, now there's two standards. There's the standard that Hagar set for romantic for romance in their marriage. There is a standard that Sarah set for romance in their marriage. But had this not occurred, there would only have been one standard, and that would have been the only standard either would have known. And so it would have been the right standard. It would have been, a, it would have been the best standard. Nothing could have been better for them. But instead, they added two more people into their lives and into their marriage. Have y'all understood that at this point? I, I, I've never heard a preacher preach it. They just stay away from it. They don't want to talk about it, but it's absolutely true. Now, no marriage can experience uh, 
Now hear me. Write this down if you want to. I'm not sure it's in your notes. No marriage can experience unfaithfulness morally and not have problems. It can't be done. I don't care how quickly you try to clean it up. I don't care how quickly you try to confess it. I don't care how you try to cover it up. If you are unfaithful in any way to your mate, it will have problems. It just does not happen. Well, I, I was lost. It don't matter where you was lost or not. It's got problems. Don't matter where you saved or lost. It has problems. Come on, get, give me an amen here. You see, I, I, I can tell you a lot of lost people who's got a lot of problems because of immorality in their life. You know, there are some good lost people. There are a lot of good lost people. In fact, there's some lost people better than a whole lot of saved people. At least as far as their morality and their decency and their integrity. And so, folks, there can be somebody that's very, very good and yet something happened to them even though they might not be saved and they're going to have problems if they're... They say, well, it, it, was just, it, it was just one time or, or I, 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 it was just two times. I, I, it doesn't matter. Any time you do it, there be, will be problems somewhere down the road. So, verse 5, Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon thee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm used to hearing that. Your fault. <laughs> Y'all used to hearing that. Your fault. It's you. You're going to bear this tune. I'm not carrying this load. Me and you in this thing together. Well, if I look at this right, Sarah conceived this plan. But anyway, she said, I've given my maid to thy bosom. And that word that she uses right here, that phrase, into thy bosom, meant a romantic experience. I've given my handmaid for you to have a romantic experience. That means she'd been thinking about it. It'd been bothering her. It'd been troubling her. She wasn't now thinking about the baby. She was thinking about her hurt and her heart. Are you saying that? And so she said, I give her to your bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, and we don't know, we don't know how, how much or how long a period of time that there was this, what I'm calling an affair going on, even though it was a willing affair. Uh, we don't know how long it went on, but it went on long enough for her to conceive. And when she saw that she had conceived, she said, I, had, I was despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between me and thee. So when she saw what had taken place, she was all upset. Sarah, Sarah now blames Abraham. Can't, wouldn't you love to have been a fly on a tent peg that night, amen? I mean, you would have heard some fussing and fighting. I mean, it would have went on. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. You told me to do it. Yes, but you did it and didn't argue about it. And it was on and on and on and on. But I'm going to say something now that's going to disturb you. Bottom line is, Abraham had dual sin here. Y'all with me? 
he duly sinned. First of all, he committed adultery, which would always be a problem for he and his seed and all seed all of the world. But number two, he sinned because he defaulted on his role as a husband. He refused to say, Sarah, that's the stupidest idea I ever heard in my life. That's crazy. Why would you come up with such a thing? We're not going to be. We're not going against God. Somewhere he repented of that because when you get to Genesis 18, verse 19, he says there, I know Abraham and he will lead his whole family in the ways of God. So something got him, right? God got a hold of him. But here he, he, he commits two sins where she is, is, is a, um, I guess she's the conceiver of one sin, but they both, had a sin that would always be a problem for them. Now, I do believe this. I believe continual affairs will cause more continual problems than one night stands where somebody gets under conviction and said, I don't know what happened to me. I got seduced. I, 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 I'm so sorry. Dear God, I'll never do that again. And, 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 and her, her mate finds out. She says, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. I, 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 it broke my heart. I think that uh, doesn't weigh on the hearts of the people near as much as continual affairs. But you see, most of us understand that somebody can slip and make a mistake. But it's kind of hard to slip and make a mistake over three months or four months or six months or a year, two years, and on whatever this consisted of here. So, so then she brought the Lord into it. You know, notice uh, that he said, when she says thy bosom, here is the contact the physical contact. She's not talking about the fruit. She's basically just saying, you, you get now, from now on, you'll get to take your pick. You get to take your pick. Which one you want? Now he has access to either one. Either one. Because she gave it to him. He took it. Both wrong, but they did it. So she brought the Lord into it. Now, no doubt the neighbors didn't sleep real well that night after that big fight that they had. But when you have these fleshly solutions, you're going to have problems. And, and it happens right here. We can see it very, very clearly, and it's going to continue to happen throughout the Bible. When it pops up, we'll try even if I don't mention it, you'll notice it and you'll remember it because we spent so much time on it. But look at verse 6, the bondage. Abraham, Abram wimps out again. Look at verse 6. He wimps out again. I mean, this boy just won't wear his breeches or his robe or whatever he wears. Abram said to Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. She's your maid. Do what you want to to her. That's what he says. Whatever pleases you, do it to her. And when Sarai dealt hardly, and that word hardly is a, is a word that means 
so mean, it's almost impossible to live under. That's the term. That's the kind of life she gave me. She gave her. Impossible to live under. That kind of life. So what would you do? Probably maybe the same thing didn't happen to her after she had dealt harshly with her. She just basically put her into bondage. And so Abraham wimps out, says, um, you know, she's, she's, you're all fired up and, and, and you're all over Hagar. And as a, as she's just a slave. She can't fight you. You just do what you want to do. And she mistreated her. And then we've never seen Sarah in the Bible like this before, but she took off. Isn't it amazing how that there's wonderful people, but when you upset them just a little bit, whatever's in the Bible spills out. Just upset them. Upset them. Go against them. What's in the Bible spills out. And that's what happens here. So what basically we have is Hagar failed as a handmaid, Sarai failed as a mistress, and, and Abram failed as a man. We have a failed marriage here that's brought another person into it that should not have, which is going to produce a child that brings another person into it who will produce more children that will bring a whole generation of people into it that should not have been into it. So... Here was Hagar, a stranger, and Abram and Sarah had a chance to tell her and show her the true and living God, and they didn't do it at all. And so she lost her testimony, and she had hard feelings against their God. She come from pagan world, so she would. So they are forever running from problems. I gave you three last last week, and... um, I'm, I'm gonna give them to you again because I don't. I didn't see any of you right, and I was really rushing at the end last week. I, I should have stopped about five to ten minutes earlier. But number one, if you want to fix the problems in your marriage, number one, there has to be totally complete honesty. The Bible teaches it over and over. Number two, you need to answer all questions that's asked by the mate 13 years later Sarah is still bothered by this because probably Abraham wouldn't say anything he stayed out of the pack answer the questions the offended one has thirdly show true remorse and brokenness and repentance and love And that person will come far more believing you than you just spouting it out like it's nothing to it. Well, God's forgiven me, so so what? I'll tell you, so what? You've got a lot of problems ahead of you. And you're going to need God. You're going to need each other. You're going to need the Holy Spirit in you, right? So only the, and let me say this, only the sinful mate, the one who committed the sin can make it right by saying I was a fool they were not better you they had nothing that you don't have they had no 
attraction for me that I should have been attracted to them uh, but you and 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 I'm sorry I violated our standard of love and 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 I want you to repent and 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 I I, I love you and I know I'm going to struggle in my mind with this but every time I'm with you my mind's going to be to you I want you to know that and that's the only way it's ever going to work or if not there will be a fuss and a fight so let's look at the third thing because this is really good stuff the faithful savior. If I get this book written, y'all gonna help me sell it? Maybe we can sell twenty copies. But uh, I'll probably have to pay for them. I'll buy them myself. All right. Look at verses. We're gonna start in verse seven, and this is really sweet here. Precious, precious scriptures here. Look. First of all, we see a fleeing sinner in verse number six. She ran. You can't run from your problems. If you get pregnant, you can't run out. Oh, you sign and go get abortion. No, 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 no. That'll come back to haunt you too. Now, you can be forgiven for it. It's going to come back to haunt you, all right? I'm telling you, there are some sins, and especially things connected with sexual sin that has problems that just don't go away easily. People won't listen. They want to separate them. They, they, they want to put them together. Say, God's forgiven me. I don't know why. Because there's difference between, that's a bodily thing. You violate the body. And Paul said, that is a totally different situation, for instance, than lying or hating, because that's sins of the spirit, right? So she was probably going back to Egypt. That's the only place she knew to go. That's where she come from, Hagar. And that would have been a worse life, wouldn't it? A pagan, idolatrous life. That's where she's going back to, but, but that's all she knew. And so uh, years kind of go by, and, and, and time goes by. We don't know how. And finally, she just said, I can't take it anymore. And off she goes. But look, as she starts to run, the Savior is not very far behind. Because look, look in verse number 7. He found her. Look what he said. The angel of the Lord found her. I'm glad he found me. What about you? I'm glad he found you too. There may be somebody here tonight that you hadn't allowed him to find you. He's been sitting by you every Sunday. He's been sitting by you on Wednesday night. He's been around you all the time. He's visited your home. He's talked to you on television. You've tuned him in on the radio. And he said, I want to come to you. He's sitting by you and you haven't let him into your life. You can do that tonight. You can do that tonight. And so, look, look he found the sinner. First, you know, everybody used to say, well, I'm glad I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. You couldn't find Jesus with a micro telescope. You couldn't find him. No, no, you can't find Jesus. Jesus finds us. I'm glad he loves us. He first loved us. So, first time in Scripture the angel of the Lord is used, and that's good because that means the pre-incarnate Christ. In other words, in the Old Testament, when you see the angel of the Lord, if it's translated properly, when it says the angel of the Lord, it means Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. Now, now how many understand when I say pre-incarnate, Jesus Christ pre-incarnate? Because I want you, I, I want to explain it to you. Is there anybody that don't understand that? Raise your hand. I won't I help you, okay? Anybody here? Okay. All right. If you're just afraid to raise your hand, that's what it means. <laughs> Terry raised his. Terry, I'm freaking tell you right now, okay? 
Here's what it says. It means, it means since John chapter 1 said, no man hath seen God except the Son. So nobody else had ever seen God even up until Jesus came to the world. Is that not right? What the Bible says. And then it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're going to see God, there's only one way to see God, and that's through who? Jesus Christ. So in the Bible, when somebody says we've just seen God, who'd they see? Jesus. Now, I know they're, they're one, right? God the Father, God the Son, God, God the Holy Spirit, they're one. But the visible one is Jesus Christ. I can't explain it. Don't come up here and ask me to explain it. I can't totally explain it. But the way I explain it to me and how I found peace in that is this. And I've had some preachers say, that's not what that means at all. And I said, well, y'all going to believe me what you don't know, and I'm going to go and believe in what I know. The Bible says that we're made three ways, body, soul, spirit. And the Bible says we're made in the image of God. So I believe that I'm made like God is, body, that's this, ain't much left of it, that's this. I hope I, God give me the grace to hold out like Brother Page. But body is what we see, it's what we touch, it's what we slap, you know. My wife really got mad at me. She, she didn't remember anything else except me slapping her face down here the other day trying to get her some blood to flow. What are you doing there slapping my face in front of everybody? So I'll pay for that for six months. I'm in trouble. He slapped my face. No, she didn't get mad. She's kidding me about it. But, but, uh, but there's the body. So if your body dies, what happens? Is what we put in the ground you? No. That's your soul, right? That's your soul. That's the part of you who will live forever. So I will live forever, not in this body, but soulish. And the spirit is how I communicate with God. So I'm made in the image of God. Body, soul, spirit. Father, son, Holy Spirit. Y'all understand that? Say amen. Okay. Now, uh, that, the, when you go through the Old Testament, you're going to find that Jesus appears in certain situations. They don't do, it's, not a, it's not a normal thing. He appears in certain situations, and most of the time the people are not aware who he is until later on. Okay? So let's look at what happens here. Uh, this, this wonderful Savior finds her, and look at his promise in verse number 10. Only God could make this promise. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, but it shall not be numbered for multitude. Who can make that promise but God? Hey, he has to be God. No, no angel could promise to do that. <laughs> the angels can't do a thing. They can't even be redeemed. So uh, look, else, look, look more, look in verse 13. Look, uh, this is how I know that she had some kind of relationship with God. And she called the name of the Lord. Uh, now up there, 
the angel of the Lord said to her, here she said, she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, thou God seest me. See, she knew who he was. She knew that that was Sarah and Abraham's God, even though Sarah and Abraham lived like they didn't have a God. You all with me? And so she knew she had experienced the presence of God. I, I, I just want you to know tonight that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I said I want you to know tonight that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, whosoever. I didn't say if the elect shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. The Bible said Whosoever. That mean that gives me that gives me a shot at it and you a shot at it. Amen. Now look, what a one, look at this wonderful Savior. He temporarily leaves heaven now to come down for one servant girl that's been mistreated, and today he still does the same thing. He's the friend of the friendless. He's the loving second person of the Godhead. He loved Hagar just like he loved the woman in John chapter 4. And he came down to see her. And there she left the narrow road, the broad road, and got on the narrow road on the way to heaven. I believe she was saved. Amen. Uh, now let's look at verse 8 and 9 and see, see why we believe that. Are y'all looking at it? Look, angel of the Lord said, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, but it shall not be numbered for the multitude. Now, the end part of that sounds great. I'm going to build your seed so large that it can't even be counted. But the first part didn't sound so good. You got to go back and submit yourself to Sarah. That's tough. But now she'd already made him Lord, so she had to do what he said. She'd already called upon him as Lord. She'd already been forgiven of her sins. She already knew she was going to heaven, so she was had able to do God's will. And I won't tell you, I'm on, I'm on the camp a little here. We all ready? Submission to the Lord's plan will and was her salvation. If she'd have said here, I'm not going, I'd have said she's, not, she's never been saved. But that's how, you know, she has put her faith in what the Lord said and she had met his sayings that he had given her. She believed them. She had turned, been turned around by the Lord Jesus Christ and she willingly obeyed this one who loved her, who cared, come down to see her, who talked to her and trusted her to him. That's what she did. How hard it must have been to go back and face where she'd been. And only one way to do that, only forgiven people can do that. Only forgiven people can do that. She faced it all. She faced everything and came back. You know why? She was forgiven. Nothing to hide. And if Sarah sat her down and said, I don't want to tell you, I want to know what happened inside that tent. I want to know if he did this, if he did that. If she, I don't know how she would have abused her. She would probably 
would have given her harsh treatment and, and work to do and, and make her work longer hours and, and mistreat her uh, maybe with uh, bad food and all kinds of things she could have done to her. But whatever it was, you know it must have been a tough thing to go back to. And so, uh, you know, in verses 8, there's two, there's two profound questions. Whence comest thou and whither wilt thou go? In fact, that involved her whole mess she is in. Where'd you come from? Well, I come from Egypt. Well, where are you going to go? Well, I guess I'll go back to Egypt. Well, that ain't a good choice going back to Egypt. So where'd she go? God sent her right back to the heifer that had been so mean to her. But God turned that heifer into holy. Not a holy heifer, just holy. He took the heifer out when he made her holy. He said, you shouldn't use that word. Bible does. Over in the Old Testament, I, I believe you'd say Amos and Micah called them heifers. Mean heifers. <laughs> None of you, you're sweet heifer. I mean, you're nice. Wonderful. But, but <laughs> just, just, just quit digging that hole, son. <laughs> but but Hagar learned something about God. Here's what she learned. She learned that God is personal. You see, nobody else can meet God, touch God, ask God, or help God for you. Between you and God. It's personal. She also learned this. She learned that God hears and sees. He hears and sees. She also learned this. She learned that it wasn't like God's in Egypt. This God was alive. (laughs) This God was in living color. This God was a moving, talking, loving, caring God. In fact, she so much believed it, she calls him Lord. So she comes back and does exactly what God said. She submitted to him. No man or woman believer can love genuinely until they submit that they have broken a heart, that they've done wrong, even though she didn't even know that she'd done. She had to come now and admit that she had done wrong even though she probably didn't even have any choice in the matter, but it was still wrong. And um, women become totally different when men become totally committed. You'll never have a reason to distrust your mate again as long as they're honest, as long as they're open And as long as they make you know that you're the most important person to them except Jesus Christ. Okay? Now let's look here in in the last, let's let's, let's finish this thing up here. What time is it? Oh, I got plenty of time. Verse 13. The well. The well of the one who lives and sees. That's what that word, the well here means. That well that they named it, and can I get, I want somebody to stand up and pronounce this. Would you please do that? Um, Verse 14, (laughs) anybody want to give it a shot? I'm going to give it a shot, all right? Beer, lahai, rai. 
okay? That's what that will. will. And, it, and it means the well who lives and sees. That's what it meant. They named this well, the well of one who lives and sees me. So he's a personal God, and he's concerned about somebody who's abused. You can tell little children in your Sunday school classes. You can tell children at school. You can tell them on the road or in the housing projects or wherever they live that Jesus cares about abused people. And he cares about unborn babies because God protected Ishmael in the womb. It would have been real easy for that baby to have died or had that baby killed, but he cared. He was concerned about unwed mothers and he was concerned about homeless people. Hagar looked after him and she believed, obeyed, and submitted and because of that, there was saving faith. How many needs go back to our lack of submission? You know what? Your problems at work could be fixed if you'd submit to the job you're supposed to do. Instead of worrying about what somebody else's job consists of, do yours, shut up, take your check, go home, and go to Walmart. That's it. And I'll tell you something, there's a lot of folks at church that would get a lot long a lot better if they kept their nose out of everything that didn't have anything to do with them at all. Not one thing, knowing that they got leaders that they can absolutely trust that would not lie to them, that would not do anything wrong before them, that would do the biblical thing, not the unbiblical thing, and you ought to say, I trust them. If you want an answer, go and ask, but don't go accuse. A word's called submit. Submit. Submit does not mean it can be forced. Submit means it has to be willing. Willing. Submit. Now, with children, you have to use a little extra force to cause them to be willing to submit. But most of our problems could be fixed by submission. Our future struggles... Um, in verse 10 through 12 created this. It created a seed and that seed was the Arab people. Did you know that the three great religions of the world, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism all claim Abraham as their father? But look what God named this boy. Ishmael's name. He's going to be a wild man. So he'll probably show up at Hillcrest. <laughs> but the term means, do not, this is not vulgar. The term, actually that phrase means wild ass of a man. It actually, he refers to the fact that he will be a desert dweller. Independent, resisting every nation except theirs. That's why there's Arab-Israeli conflicts today and always will be. But most of our problems could be 
call, by just sob, by submission. First of all, we submit to God. How did Hagar get, how did Hagar get right? She submitted to God. What? Uh, uh, how did Sarah get right? Well, if First fir- if Peter chapter 3 is right, she had to submit to God because she bowed before Abraham and called him Lord. I can't remember my wife ever doing that. And, and, and look, Abraham had to submit. Or Genesis 18, 19 wouldn't be work for him. He had to submit. So he submitted to Abraham, Sarah, submit to Sarah, Hagar, Submission wasn't forced, it was willing. As a result, things in the family changed and people may agree with you and the law may defend you, but if God can't bless you, don't do it. What she was doing didn't look right, but it was right. Submission. And so when we learn to confess our sins and learn to live with our mistakes, Yes, there will be pain, there will be hurt, and there will be obstacles, and it will reappear from time to time. But we have to renew our mind like we talked about last week. And God can accomplish the rest when we... Isn't it amazing that God can accomplish his best when we do our worst? Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Right, Romans 5.20 down, I ain't got time to do it, so... It would have been nice. I don't know what happened when they got back home, but it would have been nice if she just said, Sarah said, I love you, Abraham. There would never be another man for me. There shouldn't have been another woman for you. And that's what Abraham should have said. I love you, Sarah. I messed up. I should never went into that tent with your handmaid. He said, from now on, my flesh will think about it. But I want you to know, my dear wife, that when I am with you, you alone will be on my mind. And as the devil tempts me and tempts me, I will renew my mind with Scripture. That way, life becomes worship.